This is FBG Jen. And FBG Kristen. And I'm FBG Margot, host and producer. You're listening to the podcast that will help you keep a lid on the junk in the trunk and inspire you to live a happy and confident life. Each episode, we chat with motivational experts and celebs and share our own candid adventures in being healthy. If you're looking for a podcast that's equal parts hilarious and enlightening, well then welcome to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. Ever wonder why some people can seem to eat well and work out regularly almost effortlessly? Do these people have more willpower? Are they born that way? Are they special? Well, we know how they did it. And it does have something to do with willpower, but not in the way that you think. So get the scoop at fitbottomgirls.com forward slash coaching. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. This is FBG Margot, And on the line today, we have FBG Jen. Hello. And we have FBG Kristen. Hey. And a lot of what puts this show together that's interesting to me anyway is the three of us live in three different areas. So we're constantly trying to figure out time zones and things like that when we have somebody on the show. And today our guest is Catherine Blythe, who's based in London. And she's a very busy journalist. And so to get this interview together, we all kind of had to like move things around and make it happen. But her book is Enjoy Time, Stop Rushing, Get More Done. And I just really enjoyed this interview and I found it very inspiring. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I agree. And her her book, like if you are interested in kind of the science of what she gets into and just how we perceive time, like I read her book, Enjoy Time, and it is it's, it's fascinating. You can totally geek out over it. And I wanted to ask you guys, you know, like how you view time because, well, I guess the cat's out of the bag, Jen, you're pregnant right now and with twins. So time must be really different for you now than it was, let's say like five years ago. <laughs> I have to say that in, enduring being blessed with, and then enduring a twin pregnancy, which likely by the time this comes out, the babies will be out and you can probably follow follow along with whatever insanity is happening in my life at Fit Bottom yeah. to Mamas. Um, if on not, Instagram. you're going to be in a medical journal. I'll tell you that. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, so I feel like during this part of it, which I'm now in my third trimester, I went, I'm 33 weeks as of recording now, and they measured me and I measure like I'm 44 weeks, which is like you know, we're off the scale of like singleton time now, we're in size. Um, it, time is slow. <laughs> time is really slow um, just because of a lot of uncomfortableness. Um, but then again, the time is also super fast because I know that any day now I'm going to have two new people in my life, which is just crazy. But I have found that as becoming, and when I had my daughter, I felt this way too. Um, the time really, really slowed down in some ways and sped up in other ways. And I found that specifically when it came to doing a lot of the work with Fit Bottom Girls was that it actually, it made me like a time monster. Like I could, I could take an hour of time and do and it just really hunker down and get focused and make so much more of an hour than I could before because it was such a like precious commodity to me to have alone time to work. Yeah. It was just really, 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 really different and really fluid. What about you guys? It is, has it changed as you've gotten older? I yeah. Think, yeah. I think time sure. goes quickly. I think about that all the time. <laughs> yeah. 
I remember in high school, like waiting to graduate high school, I remember it was like, oh, it's six months away. That's so far. And now six months goes by in my life. It's like I just turned my head and there it was. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I can't believe it. Like we're in summer right now. I can't believe it. Yeah. And how much of that do you think is like just proportional? Like because six months now in in relation to how many months we've lived is so much, you know, that's much smaller than it was when we were 17 or 18 um, versus the fact that we just like life is very different. It's not, and you know, it's different. I think if you've, if you have children or if you're in a, a job like in education where things are, are done on the school year or things are very seasonal, mm-hmm. but um, you know, when you're, when you've got stuff going all the time, it just like, it does feel like it flies. I think it's a mix of both because things do seem like proportionally, it does make sense that you have a different perspective of time, you know, but then again, like it does feel like life is like just faster in general. Yeah. What do you guys do when you, um, when you realize it's going by too fast and you're somewhere where you're like, no, I really want to appreciate this. I want to enjoy this time that I'm in right now. I try to have my days that I to uh, like a Saturday or a weekend. I try to really keep them unstructured and not filled with so much stuff to do because then, you know, that weekend goes by, you never had t- chance to kind of wind down. So I'm one of those people like I can on the weekend have like one thing to do, either meet somebody for brunch or have a date or whatever. I can't do like movies and then a date or whatever. It just, it's just, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like I just, it's not enough time for me to slow down because I have several jobs, you know, I teach fitness and then I do this and then I have um, a marketing company. So it's just, yeah, for my, for me, especially on my weekends, I try to keep it to one thing. Yeah. What about you, John? I find that a lot of times, so, you know, trying to be more generally mindful and breathing and actually being in the moment always helps rather than trying to like run through my to-do list in my head or I don't know, like paying attention to the things around me and thinking about, you know, what needs to be picked up or what's the thing I quote unquote should be doing or could be doing and just kind of settle into what, what is, um, that's kind of like the ongoing, I feel like life challenge and life practice that I current, that I, that I always have and will continue to have. But the other thing is, is really just putting down the phone because mm-hmm. that's where there's such a time suck, you know, it just, I, I could spend, I don't know how many countless minutes and not even realize it. And they're just, they're gone. And I didn't really do anything. And I mean, yeah, sometimes I, very often I will stumble upon a really cool article and read it and share it. And that does lead to something. So it's not always time wasted, but a lot of times it is just kind of time wasted where I could just, you know, put my phone down and sit there and kind of just chill out. But there is kind of a natural, I think, tendency for all of us to, to want to fill up time. Right. And not just kind of be. Yeah. Kristen, I feel like you're really good about setting boundaries for like your work <laughs> and your time. Although you do, you do a lot of extracurricular activities. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I set boundaries because otherwise none of it happens, you know? Um, Cause I have like, I have my days where, <laughs> and like currently it's, it's a little bit nuts because I'm, um, I'm coaching some adult, adult learn to swim sessions and then if I want to also do yoga that day, then I have to leave at a certain time. And that means that I have to cut off any work at a certain time 
which means that I need to begin work at a certain time. Um, so, you know, and then I'm training for a, a half marathon. And so now like Saturday morning is now scheduled out so that I can get my longer runs in, which means that affects Friday night. So there are things that I will or will not do because I want to make sure that I can stick to, to that plan. But I think, you know, I think that, uh, practicing yoga pretty regularly has been one of the most helpful things for me because it's a really good reminder that, I mean, I've, I've gone to a lot of yoga classes and I've done a lot of it at home and I've never come out of it and had something that had happened while I was in there that I could have affected the outcome of by like being on my phone and being available, you know, and I I don't think that I would be comfortable being unavailable to, you know, to like my husband or to my, my parents for, you know, really long periods of time. So like, I'm always going to have, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much always, I'm going to have the ringer on if I can, but boy, it's a nice reminder that, you know, for that hour or hour and a half that I can be completely detached from all of that and the world keeps going and I'm just here and nothing that I think about, no, nowhere that my mind runs to is going to change anything externally or anything within me. So I may as well just like be there, be present, breathe and appreciate like that exact moment. Yeah, that's how I feel about teaching because I can't be checking my phone or anything else. I got to teach. You know, they're yeah. looking they're looking at me. Right. If my mind starts to wander, I start thinking about other things. I'm not doing my job. So I pick really great music and I just put myself in the zone. And for me, that is my time. Even though it's something I'm paid to do, it is something that I also find very beneficial mentally. I mean, I would do it for free. Don't tell them that, but I would. <laughs> <laughs> Your secret is safe with us and, <laughs> and our listeners. Of listeners. <laughs> hey, boss. Yeah. <laughs> So and that's what makes you such a good instructor, Margo. Oh, uh, sure. yeah. If you would do it for free, I think that is like a, a sign. Like it's something that, you, well, anyway, it's something that you enjoy anyway. Am I good at it? Let's see. You can ask my students. <laughs> do you know what's really fun and good? What? Stickers. Stickers. We have Fit Bottom Girl stickers, you guys. So if you'd like some stickers, send us an email, podcast at fitbottomgirls.com, and we will drop them in the mail. Be sure to subscribe, review, check us out on social media at Fit Bottom Girls. If you get your podcast through Apple Podcasts, I don't know if you guys heard about this, iTunes is now going to be no more, and they're just going to have... Uh, iTunes music. They're going to have an Apple podcast and something else for TV app. So if you get it through the Apple app, if you can leave a few stars and a nice review in there, we will read it on the air. And that'd be really, really awesome. And I say, let's just get right into our interview today with Catherine Blythe. In as little as 30 minutes, you can boost your willpower and find your true inner motivation to live a healthy life. Come join the Fit Bottom Revolution at fitbottomgirls.com forward slash coaching and sign up for our online class, How to Amplify Your Willpower to Make Healthy Change. It's only $8 and you can save 20% when you use the code FBGPODCAST. So sign up at fitbottomgirls.com forward slash coaching today. Catherine Blythe has written for publications including The Times, Daily Telegraph, Sunday Telegraph, Spectator, Elle, Glamour, and The Daily Mail. She's also appeared on a variety of shows for radio and television. Her acclaimed book, The Art of Conversation, was translated into eight languages. 
As an editor, she had the pleasure of working with authors such as Hilary Mantel, Ann Patchett, Virginia Ironside, and Carol Shields. She's here today to talk about her newest book, Enjoy Time, Stop Rushing, Get More Done. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Hi. Hello. Thank you for joining us today. This is FBG Margot, and on the line today we have FBG Jen, and we have FBG Kristen. Catherine, I'm going to ask you the first question. You wrote Enjoy Time because you have said that you were at a point in your life where you always felt rushed and that there was not enough hours in the day to tackle your to-do list. So what was your first key breakthrough for you in learning how to manage your time better? Well, I suppose the real paradox for me, and I think for many people, is that why do we feel so rushed? You know, just simply asking that question, drilling down and analyzing what my day consists of that I should feel so darn busy that I'm constantly chasing this runaway to-do list that only seems to grow longer no matter how fast I run and at the same time the paradox is that we have this capacity to do more things than ever faster than ever I mean here I am having a conversation with three wonderful women strewn all over the United States in in seconds in many ways we live in an age of miracles that the space-time barrier has collapsed and we can do so many things so much faster at the touch of a button any time of day or night. So simply asking the question, why are we in this paradoxical situation? And then thinking about the answers. And it struck me suddenly that actually we live in this world without limits, but the trouble is we, we haven't been reared to manage that responsibility to, the, to solve the problem of living in a world without limits a you have to accept that you do now have to manage your time actively and b that you need to impose some limits of your own as soon as i felt that actually or reminded myself the basic truth which is we are all living in our own time it's up to us to decide how we use it to feel like i was restoring an element of choice in my life rather than this feeling of being hunted and having to chase the clock I found it easier to start asking more critical questions, you know, to examine what made me so busy, what was the busyness really all about, and to start taking some practical steps to edit and to feel more in charge. So I got to ask, there, I've, I've read your book, and there is so much information and so much research that's in there, so much detail that's so rich with information. And I have to imagine that, that writing it and putting it all together was such a labor of love and a lot of organization and probably took a lot of time. So well, what I want to um, know is, like, did you ever have a few moments where you were like, oh, my gosh, I'm writing about time and this is ironic and I need more time. And I just think that's fascinating. Okay, well, the whole book is born out of paradoxes. So the starting point for getting involved in this subject was me, a writer, wondering what to do next. I just had a baby and I couldn't make up my mind because time, when you have a small child, you know, it, it suddenly melts and does all sorts of strange things. And there doesn't seem to be an uninterrupted half hour anywhere. And so I found it very difficult to decide exactly what I wanted to do because I was so anxious that I shouldn't waste my precious time on the wrong project. So I just kept having idea after idea after idea and found it very difficult to commit to anything. And then one day I was sitting in a cafe, breastfeeding, feeling like hell, but also slightly enjoying the fact that I just didn't feel self-conscious. You know, I looked awful. And there, there was my beautiful son in my arms and I was looking across the room and there is that guy who's now quite a famous film star, Jamie Dornan, who's in the Fifty Shades series. Oh, yeah. 
Yep. He, was, he was wearing a tight white t-shirt, looking rather good, doing some sort of masculine posturing, so you could really get the benefit of his pectoral shape. And I was just thinking, I was kind of objectifying him, enjoying the sight, but also this general sense of existential breakdown. And then I looked on my phone, and there was an email from someone I'd never heard of at a publisher saying, I just read this column, magazine column you wrote about procrastination. Would you be interested in writing about the subject? And so naturally, I took several weeks to consider my reply, um, procrastinating, and realized that I didn't want to write a book about procrastination. I I thought, actually, my problems, yes, they're personal to me, but there's been a universal shift in the culture. So much has changed about our relationship with time, and I just wanted to get obsessed with it. So I did, and then I spent two years, three years, thinking about it and writing a proposal for a longer book about time called On Time, which is a kind of one of those books that's long enough to sit down and read it, you know, in serious chapter-like way, or it's also designed to be read guerrilla style. So if you are very busy, but you have a particular problem or issue that you're, you're, is relevant to you, you can just dart into that chapter and it, it'll, you'll get something out of it. Um, so then coming to write a book called Enjoy Time, it's it's like a refinement on that book. And the style of this one is um, set up in 20 lessons. So taking different themes and then providing some solutions. So it really is the kind of book where you could just open it at any page and get stuck in. So although it's quite a short book, as um, I think it was Montaigne said when he wrote to someone, I would have written you a shorter letter, but I didn't have the time. This is a short book taken up an awful lot of time. And yes, did I miss my deadline? I'd like to say no, but that's not the case. I'm still tussling with these issues, but it's it's been... I don't know, very interesting journey. And I can't say I've met anyone who doesn't agree that they feel too busy or that there's some addictiveness or something strange has happened to time in their lives. Um, so I, I'm very pleased that all my efforts have some kind of resonance with all sorts of people. They certainly do. And I'm also going to say that I love the idea of guerrilla reading. I like. I feel like I need more more books that fit that um, fit that description in my life they because call that's stories, but they're not so popular with publishers because they. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, oh, I, I love it. You chopped into ever smaller portions, don't you think? Yes, yes. Like, let me just sit down and read it for a second while I'm, you know, stirring something, and then be able to come back to it later. Perfect. I, know. I think it's a particularly female condition to think that the only way to be a brilliant woman is to try and impersonate one of those. Hindu goddesses with a dozen arms. Yes. Do all these things wonderfully without, you know, breaking a sweat. But, you know, <laughs> one of the happy discoveries for me in this book was that multitasking is like the fastest way to screw things up, really. We yes. If we looked at it critically, we all these things that we think make us busy and effective are often making us slower and less effective and just taking your time and being a bit more conscious about exactly what you want to do and just investing in it is extremely effective. And also, you don't feel that time's rushing by in that quite the same way. You don't get so distracted. You don't feel so drained by it. I mean, there's so many, you know, for if you are inherently a lazy person, I've definitely got that in me. I, I think there's a lot to confirm that that's actually the best way to live. <laughs> all the, um getting fit and getting everything you want done too i'm trying to i'm trying to find a way through through my conflicting desires and the science i think backs me up i don't know what factoids jumped out as you as surprising but a lot of the data that i discovered surprised me absolutely 
So what you were just saying really, really takes me to, to my question is it's really about um, shifting that mindset because we are really conditioned to believe that rushing is the way to accomplish more. Um, And, and it does take, you know, a conscious shift in how we view what success and what, what efficient looks like in order to make that change. So I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the steps that you would suggest to somebody for, for making that shift. Um, how can they really kind of retrain their brain to understand that they are going to get more done if they're not just rushing like crazy to get to the next thing all the time? Well, I suppose, I mean, practical action is always more powerful than lists of um, proofs. So, I mean, first thing I'd advise, obviously, is to read my book and then it will, it will spell it out for you. I think just getting reality check, um, if you can find the time to just take note of what you're actually doing, what does your day consist of over a, w- a week or so, stand back and read the truth, see what's actually getting done, what is devouring your time, are you as busy as you really believe? And then looking at how the day is organized and sequenced and doing a bit of a life edit. I mean, I think if we start thinking of our time as chunks of time and have an appreciation of how our sense of time and our abilities shift over the course of the day, simply changing the order in which we do things can have an enormous benefit. I mean willpower like your attention span it's like a muscle so it it weakens over the course of the day um if we appreciate that we are most effective most creative most um resourceful and able to tackle tough creative tasks at the beginning of the day and we protect those hours and assign our most important or demanding tasks um to the first two or three hours of our working day each minute can you know be worth two or three later in the day i mean really simple changes for me things like putting your time fees in quarantine as soon as you don't allow yourself to get into a kind of dopamine loop of excitement checking your phone every five minutes if you consciously put it into a different room or say okay at the end of one hour of you know intensive concentration i will give myself five minutes to check that rather than having that sense, what we were talking about earlier, the continuous partial attention where you're sort of, your mind is kind of hovering over your phone and your eyes drifting off of that place. If we really allow ourselves to focus and, and, and make, you know, create a space in which it's much easier to focus, shut the door, turn off the music, try and avoid hot desking and open plan if you possibly can. Simple changes like that will start producing results. I mean, I find that, you know, distraction is the biggest enemy, um, partly because my work and my I need to be creative and solitary, really, and protect myself from these enticing distractions. So, you know, there are many, many ways you can create that space um, and becoming a bit more aware of what to distinguishing between the feeling that you're overloaded and actually being busy. And a lot of the time when we feel very busy and that sort of panic, slightly panicked state when you, your heart your heart rate seems to go up and you, you can't quite focus, you know, it, that again can be strangely addictive, but what, what is causing it? Is it that there's too much to do or is it that you aren't really finishing anything? One of the factoids that, um, I don't actually like that word, maybe just one of the bits of information that I came across that really struck a chord was that 
we obviously many of us work online or using phones or internet um email um what few of us are aware of is that when we are texting or emailing or just scanning the computer very often we stop breathing we hold our breath unconsciously or we or breathe more shallowly and that enacts a change in our bodies and it puts us into a state which is similar to fight or flight mode and when you enter fight or flight mode you tend to think a bit differently you enter what's known as a cognitive tunnel you're much less likely to think in a creative or deep way you're more likely to grab any anything that feels like a solution so you you become you just simply the technology we use can precipitate that slightly panicky busy feeling without necessarily helping us um you know develop the tools to resolve it if you are a text messaging kind of addict most of us are simply because that again your body is or your brain is trained to be excited by novelty we are intensely distractible as human beings that's one of our key traits it's one of the reasons our species is so good at surviving because our ancestors would if they saw you know heard a crunch in the forest nearby they'd look up and see the predator and not get eaten by it but no being aware of how distractible you are and how short how how much you need to protect um your attention and how simple it can be to do that that's a, a major tip the other thing i think is to bear in mind is that habits compose a large part of our day apparently 40 percent of our day is, is simply repeated actions and events now a lot of people find it very hard to change habits we think it's almost impossible but actually become aware of the habits you have and think critically about them um you can find that even if you have some very unhelpful habits it's easier to change them than you might think if you displace a slightly slightly unhelpful habit with a good one um i'm trying to use habits to shift some of my own behaviors i the biggest risk to any author's life is is having a heart attack cuz you spend all your time sitting around on your bottom so i haven't been doing enough exercise so to change that i've been trying to um use habits automating the behavior to get into my sports kit in the morning so i'm not questioning whether or not i'm going to fit the exercise in today and booking the class in advance using pre-commitments and habits to to kind of enact change in your life it's very powerful and it, the best thing about it is you don't need to think very much so you're not taxing that fragile willpower i could go on and on but i feel like i should let you ask me another question <laughs> hi can you hear me i yes. can sorry you guys my Roomba just went off talking about distractions, so I had to run over <laughs> and turn it off. Okay, Hilarious. I'm glad you're I thought I'd stunned you into silence. <laughs> no, so for some reason it just started. So sorry, you guys. So I, I, my question for you. So I'm a New Yorker, and people love to fetishize how busy they they are in New York. You know, oh, I'm just oh. always so busy. It's it's so obnoxious. It's one of our worst habits. But what you often hear is, well, you know what? Time is money. Time is money. And you say time is not money. Time is your life. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, our culture thrives on the belief that we need to convert every minute into productive activity for which we're paid. The thing about that is as many pounds as much money as i'd like to have in the bank it doesn't actually make me happier or healthier or anything else as soon as you start mortgaging your day for the hope of filling up enough numbers in the bank account before you start living 
you're you're living it to kind of remove from your reality. I mean, I I argue that being productive and enjoying what you do and being completely present within it is hindered often by the reward mechanisms we use. I just that's I sound like I'm being a Buddhist and a communist. There is a kind of pro-capitalist argument for focusing not on money and what time can bring you, but on really enjoying deeply what you do because when we're doing something that grips our attention fully we're not thinking about those secondary incentives they tend to choke off motivation I mean there's a huge amount of psychological research that shows that when you start introducing rewards to people for doing things whether it's rewarding a child or promising them a prize for doing a nice artwork or adding a big fat bonus although we our culture trains us to these as the best validations of our our humanness and our effort in fact they remove our ability to sink into a task and be creative and enjoy it Um, as far as time is money goes on the kind of day-to-day level one thing I found really interesting um, researching this subject is that generally speaking although you'd think that people who are very well paid are more likely to have high quality leisure time. In fact, the best paid people are ones with the least amount of leisure. And do they therefore enjoy their lives more? I don't know. One of the reasons for that is the more we are paid per hour, the less disposable our time feels to us. So you're much less likely if you're very well paid and or or expect to be very well paid, you're you're much less likely to feel that it's okay to spend more time with your family. I mean there's a heartbreaking statistic about people who identify themselves as very busy they are far more likely to cut back on time with their family or time with hobbies than they are on work so you can because as soon as you start equating your time with your earnings you find it much more difficult to actually do the things that repay you and fulfill you and actually perhaps make you more effective and creative I mean, needs must. I'm not going to say that we should all stop working for money. I work for money too. But it's very helpful for us to have a slightly broader scale of values when we're thinking about our choices in time. If I think many people find it hard to say no to work. And being a freelancer, as more and more of us are, myself included, you feel even more panic-stricken that, you know, perhaps there won't be another opportunity if you say yes to this one. It's hugely important for us all to be able to think about what what value time brings us to we don't just need fast intensive work time to be happy we'll burn out we need to value our time with our family or doing nothing or going for a walk and just enjoying the smell of the flowers and give that as much of a value as those paid hours which our society tells us are the most important Why are anxiety levels so high? Why are people in richer countries not happier? And all the research shows that they're not. Well-being crosses a whole spectrum of needs and bank balances don't directly pour happiness and and fulfilment into our souls. So I'm just as you might want to say to someone who spends all their time on Facebook, well, you know, when you're on your deathbed, are you really going to remember all those likes you got? Or are you going to remember the memories you made with the few friends who you actually made time to meet up with? By the same token, you know, will will the defining achievement of our lives be 
that we got those 15 promotions or would it be that we felt connected that we find time to give you know to be happy I mean, there are there are huge questions um behind the time is money thing but the fact is that money you can always get more of but time i'm afraid is a non-transferable quantity and we're all getting older so you you had mentioned earlier that when you're writing this book that it was full of surprises and i think probably in our conversation here, you've, you've touched on some of those, but are there any other big surprises that stand out that just kind of blew you away? Um, oh, well, I mean, I love all the nerdy science stuff. So, you know, one big question for me, it's a small detail, but it's kind of significant, you know, why does time seem faster some in some days and some places than others? What's going on? And just understanding that your new, your brain chemicals have a huge role in how fast time feels you know when you're in a panic or when something really terrifying happens and time seems to slow down well that's because the adrenaline going through your body means that you're firing out more neurons and that means that time therefore seems relatively slow um why does time seem faster when you're happy and yet you remember those happy occasions in so much detail and depth well that's because dopamine although time your attention sort of flits about when you're really happy. So it can seem like the clock's spinning at double speed. When you're looking back, dopamine's also helped you to form much more detailed, specific memories. So things like that, I found delightful. And on a more sinister note, I, you know, have you never had this experience? Say you're in a, an exercise class and everyone's trying to do a movement and they're out of whack and then suddenly they all synchronize. And when you're walking down the street in New York, everyone seems to walk so much faster, but it's really hard to cut against the pace. That's because of a phenomenon called entrainment, where we sort of tend to think into the beat of our environment. In other words, we're all surrounded by powerful influences on our pace and tempo. And not only do they change the speed at which we move, but they also change the speed at which time seems to go. And that 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 will actually change how we behave. You know, rushing about it makes us feel vital and active and get more done, but it also makes us more likely to, you know, get into a slightly panicky, tunnel-minded state, which can be great if you want to get to the end of a particular task. You know, deadlines are really useful. They're not the enemy. On the other hand, it can mean that it's harder to take a step back and look at the substance of your life. I don't know. There were so many things that I found surprising and useful. And just being reminded that we're all just, simple animals made of chemicals but we can take we can take control that that's the ultimate um delight of it for me that you can actually step back and say well how much of my life or my unhappiness stems from an attitude towards time i mean that seems an absurd proposition but if you actively cultivate kind of a negative expectations of your life and if you always remember things that happened to you that were bad you're much more likely to remain in that state. So, you know, your beliefs about time can have an as powerful effect on your day-to-day as your ability to plan a decent schedule or to prioritize. So it just I just kept being shocked at how much how much our beliefs about time and our use of it kind of permeate our lives and can change our outcomes for the better or for the worse. So how are we on time? I I've kind of lost track. I've got at least Seven minutes. I could stretch to ten. Okay. 
Um, so Jen and Margo, do either of you guys have a, a pressing question that you'd like to get in before we do the, the final round of questions, like the, yep. the normal ones? Why don't we do one and then we'll do last question? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So who, who wants to go? <laughs> go for it, Kristen. So can you tell me, is there any specific thing that you do in the morning or maybe at a different point of your day to really make sure that you're you're putting what you're preaching into practice? Um, like, do you have a, any sort of morning routine or any, you know, anything that really sets you up for success in this way? Okay. Well, so I have children and I have a husband who works in a different city. So sometimes he's there and sometimes that doesn't make things any simpler and sometimes it helps. But generally speaking, my mornings look like an absolute mess. And, you know, I can feel feel myself entering kind of sense state, altered state, where a bit like Alzheimer's, where, you know, why am I trying to do 15 things at once? You know, all the things that I'd rather avoid. But multitasking is kind of built into the situation when you have small children running around um, refusing to do what you need them to do at the moment. They need to do it. So once I am alone and free of those children, I, it, you know, it can be delightful, but I can be drenched in cortisol and really stressed out. And so I always take a moment before I get down to work to just take five or 10 minutes to do something that I want to do that has absolutely no purpose or relevance, but will just allow me to feel calm and in charge. That would be taking a walk or having a coffee, probably without caffeine, because I don't need any more, more um, kind of high energy by that stage, and reading a book or thinking about something utterly irrelevant. And that just helps me to reset. It, Of course, I, it's tempting to start doing to-do lists at that point in time. But the other thing I try to do is write the to-do list the night before. That's been massively important. Write the to-do list of the absolute essential things you need to get done that day. And do not allow yourself to... Al- add a single item to that list the next day. Instead, what you have is like a contingency slot, maybe one in the morning, one in the afternoon, where you'll deal with all those things that have come up that you weren't expecting to deal with. But, you know, in other words, that's a really easy way to make sure that you're not thrown off track. Um, So, yeah, I try to be strict about allowing myself to feel happy and relaxed before I get down to business. And I think it really works. Okay, so we just, like, can you please tell people in our audience where they can find you on the web and social media? Uh, well, so I, I'm on Instagram some of the time, but I have to say it's not been the top of my to-do list, so there is <laughs> updating that. And on Instagram, I'm that Catherine Blythe. And on Twitter, I'm something different. I'm Catherine F. Blythe. And then I have a, a website with catherineblythe.com. But, yes, there's... I've just moved house and got two two books going on. So I'm afraid social media has been one of those things that I've slightly edited. But I'm sure that once I've got my fitness habit and on stream, I will then get a proper social media habit and um, beef it up a bit. I'm always welcome to suggestions and comments and anyone can get in touch with me via those and um, tell me how I could enjoy time more or what they've done to enjoy time more because as I say the message of this book is by enjoying time you get to be more productive you will get more done it isn't the enemy and it isn't money it's just day to day those moments that seem irretrievable and if we let go of the belief that busyness is the answer to all human endeavor and happiness and take charge and don't feel like we're chasing the clock it can have a radical effect on 
on how we travel through those happy minutes of our day. And then we just have one more very quick question for you. We ask this of everybody that appears on the show. Okay. What was the last song you listened to before you did this podcast interview? Oh, <laughs> really, really tough question. Does it count what my daughter was singing? Sure. Anything that sticks out. Oh, golly. Um, I can't answer that question. I can't because there's so much music in my house, but it's mostly instrumental because they play the cello. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Gavotte by Lully, that's a good one. Um, one thing we're really enjoying is um, Adele. She, oh, yes. She's singing Adele. Um, someone like you is my favorite. Rolling in the Deep is my children. So I'll go for Rolling in the Deep. Oh. You can edit very not quick response to what <laughs> we get the best answers from that one because people do have to kind of stop and think like yeah what was I doing like what was I listening to so that it's a great answer so thank you so much we know you're we know you're busy and we appreciate you making the time for us today I'm working on it's been a lovely lovely talking to you and I'm yeah I'm hoping to get fit bottoms just like you <laughs> <laughs> Love this show? Tell us why in a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll read it on the air. Also, make sure you are a subscriber. If you want to reach out to say hi or have a question about a recent episode, yay, well, feel free to email us at podcast at fitbottomgirls.com. And if this podcast jives perfectly with your brand, consider sponsoring the show. Get more info by emailing advertising at fitbottomgirls.com. Find all kinds of Fit Bottom goodness online and on social media at Fit Bottom Girls, Fit Bottom Mamas, Fit Bottom Eats, and Fit Bottom Zen. And if books and movies are your thing, check out the other podcast I co-host called Book vs. Movie, which you can find anywhere where you search for podcasts. Thanks for listening.